and welcome to this week's Hop Edition. These are my fermenting thoughts on beer styles and people's expectations. I want to start with a story. So when I was at Sheffield Brewery Company, this is the start of 2018, I started to think about how I could take Emmanuel solo. I started looking to contract brewing or setting up my own microbrewery in a railway arch and, and various things. And because I obviously had insights into how beer was sold, the economics of it, the costings. I, I did my homework and did a bunch of spreadsheets and everything to look at it. And I'd noticed with Emmanuel's that beer sales had started to tail off a little bit in bottle. And I was really perplexed because it had always sold really well and the beer was always really spot on. And so I phoned my source of all beer sales knowledge, the one and only Sean Clark of Beer Central in Sheffield, and was like, what's going on, Sean? Like, why are you only taking a case rather than two cases? And he said, Emmanuel's has fallen down the gap that another large respected local brewery had fallen down in that they'd moved away from 500 mil bottles into 330s, both Emmanuel's and this other brewery in question. But the style in the 330s of beer wasn't quote-unquote craft enough for the beer heads. But it was too small for your average regular drinker. And a lot of beers were going into cans at this point. Now, we're only going back to 2018. It's not actually that long ago. But for a pandemic in between and the potential of nuclear war, it seems like another blissful age, doesn't it? And canning just wasn't an option. So I decided... Maybe it's time that Emmanuel's took a bit of a sabbatical. I thought, you know, I'm going to go out in style. I'm going to brew one last beer called The Last Supper. Now, it was around this time of year in 2018 because I remember getting loads of hop samples from Yakima Chief at Beer X and thinking, because they're only like 100 gram samples, but for me, doing it on a 100 litre kit, I was like, I had more than enough to make a really nice hoppy double IPA. So I thought, I'll go out with a bang, do a double IPA. And I brewed this beer, it was like 80 litres of it. It was this beautiful yellow colour. Just had this really light body, because I used glucose syrup in there to up the ABV and keep the body nice and light. And I used like all kinds of hops, like Laurel, Simcoe, um, Sabro, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. I might be getting mixed up with being a beer ex in 2020 and drinking a Sabro beer from Abbeydale. Maybe that was it. Maybe Sabro wasn't a thing back then. But anyway, I had all these different hops in it. It smelled great. It tasted great. I thought, yes, I'm surely going out in style here, proper last supper style. Come on, let's wait for Resurrection Sunday and all that. Uh, <laughs> only uh, that's not how the story turned out. Basically, and I've never really talked about this publicly before, but basically that we had some cash flow issues, as all businesses do. And I couldn't we didn't have any bottles. So I had to put off buying bottles until like several weeks down the line, which obviously wasn't convenient for this beer that I brewed. So because normally, you know, after fermentation, I would have left it for a few days and then I would have bottled it. So I had to store it in something. And the only thing that was available was a kilder kit. So I filled this Kilderkin, but it wasn't filled to the brim. And back then, I didn't really know too much about dissolved oxygen. I certainly didn't know about purging things to keep oxygen out. No, I, I remember. No, I did know about oxidation. Not that much. But I remember getting a CO2 cylinder and purging the headspace 
Um, I didn't purge the entire thing. I should have purged the entire thing first before filling it with beer, but I didn't. I did what I did. And I thought, well, you know, it'll sit in here for a little bit. It should be okay. Famous last words. I primed it with some priming sugar so it would be carbonated so that when I tapped it and then hooked up the beer filler to it, it should be just ready to fill. Anyway, I, I cracked it open and this beautiful yellow beer had sort of turned this slightly brown colour. But, it, you know, it still tasted really hoppy and it tasted okay, but it didn't look like it should have done. But, you know, I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill it up. You know, I've brewed this now. This is the last supper and, and so on. And hope for the best. I don't say this approach anymore. Okay. If it's bad, it goes down the drain. But back then, I did what I did. And I put it out there. And then the untapped reviews start to come in. The first few were okay. I even had uh, the guys from Beer O'Clock say, you know, it's, it's a bit sweet, really, to be a double IPA, but you've got a sweet tooth. You know, it's a, a reasonable, hoppy beer. So take that as a win in this instance because let me read to you dear listener some of the other reviews so i got uh, 0.25 is kind for this to be honest i suspect it's gone off looks like kfc gravy and was very lively when opened rancid okay if you thought that was bad wait till you hear this one this is fu- hallelujah sludge i wanted to pour it into my toilet but was worried it would strip the enamel i'm not even sure this counts of beer Thanks, whoever wrote that. Okay, I'm not sad about it. Four years on. Okay, the next one. What the f- Can I get an amen? This is the foulest liquid that has ever passed my lips. And believe me, I've supped some bad crap. I would love to know what kind of bad crap you've supped. Who goes around supping crap? This guy, evidently. The last two aren't too bad, actually, <laughs> considering. Uh, I don't think it was off. I just don't think it was ever on. A menagerie of off flavours. I quite like that one. And uh, this one from my dear friend Jack. Lovely and juicy on the nose. Unfortunate presentation. Oxidised, brown, grey colour. All the right flavours are there though. So I appreciate a kind review from someone like Jack. He's a good egg. And that's how really you should put forward constructive criticism. Unlike some of these other ones. So if you listen to this podcast and that was one of your reviews, then... Hello. Anyway, why am I saying all this? Because we have great expectations, don't we? There's no room or excuse these days for crap beer. And yes, I have put out some crap beers in my time. We all have. We all must confess. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure that maybe at some point you have put out a crap beer for one reason or another. You might have regretted it like I did. But alas, sometimes we do it. But there's no excuse for that these days, is there? Because technology has moved on. And so have beer styles. And the problem is there are so many great beers out there and so many great beer styles. And the competition is so stiff. And the standard has been set so high for those beer styles that if you don't meet those expectations as to what's on the tin, then you have what I'm going to call the Cloudwater double IPA effect. Now, when Cloudwater started brewing double IPAs, it was like, what is this amazing taste sensation? It's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone has been invited. Well, no, not everyone. All the good people have been invited. Because if everyone was being invited, there'd be some real knobheads there. All of a sudden, it's like, right, well, Cloudwater have set the standard. You know, if we're going to brew a double IPA, it needs to at least be as good as Cloudwater's double IPAs or as Verdant or Dare or 
whoever it is that are making double IPAs. You get this on the bar as well. You know, there was a double IPA that I brewed recently and it was next to Fallen Acorn, who'd also done a double IPA. Theirs was more dank and resinous than mine. Mine was more soft, slightly pillowy, some bitterness to it. I'm not sure I'm a fan of Galaxy, to be honest with you. It was dry hopped with a lot of Galaxy and I don't know, just had a bit of a peach aroma that I found disagreeable. That's another story for another time. That aside, you, you taste the fallen acorn, then you taste mine, and you're like, eh, not so much. You taste mine and the fallen acorn, and they sort of fall into the right kind of pattern. And this is what I'm calling the cloud water double IPA effect. Like, we have these frames of references. So what I've learned to do is not to try and force a beer style onto the beer. Like, I have brewed a beer, you are this beer style, and wrestle it in submission. Because we brew to style, but I think the beer itself ultimately determines the style. And we need to call a spade a spade and don't let the marketing do otherwise. So in this instance with The Last Supper, a hoppy barley wine, yes. If I would have marketed it as a hoppy barley wine, I'm sure people would have been like, yes, that's what it is. You know, it's got the sweetness, it's got the body, it's got the hops, it's got that malty kind of character and flavour yeah, maybe. It wasn't the best beer in the world by any stretch, but there were some decent reviews of it as well amongst those bad reviews. So Hoppy Barley Wine, maybe. Double IPA, definitely not. The problem there was I set people's expectations by calling it a double IPA. That's what it started life as. It definitely did not end life as that. I've learned better because recently I aspire to brew a red IPA. And a red IPA should be, as the name suggests, wait for it, should be red. But with this beer, I'm trying to get more out of my system. So I liquored back. I was a bit tentative on the chocolate malt. Some, it's come out more of an amber colour. It's definitely an American amber ale. That's not what I set out to brew. I set out to brew a red IPA. But if I call it a red IPA, I'm going to set myself up for failure because there will be people out there, mostly on Untapped, maybe on Twitter, who will hold it up and look at the deep amber colour and be like, that's not red, is it? That's amber, that's not red. And once again, it'll be the minority that says something and it reflects badly on you. Okay, yes, I should get the recipe right. I know for next time, I know to add a bit more chocolate malt or use some more caro red than I did. Whatever, okay. But it's an absolutely banging American Amber Ale. So what I've got two choices here. I can either be like, no, this is a red IPA. This is what's out to brew. That's what it is. And tell people, no, that's a red IPA. Or I'll be like, you know what? It's an American Amber Ale. And no one will be none the wiser unless you listen to this podcast and you know that's not what I was aiming for. And the bigger, more outlandish the beer style the higher you will fall from grace, the more a customer, especially those kind of customers, expects that big, small peanut butter and jelly, ice cream, blueberry, waffle, Cadbury's Flake 99, Imperial Stout. You know, if your beer doesn't taste of all those things, then you're going to fall from grace, aren't you? If you call it a best bitter and it's slightly darker than... Timothy Taylor, Landlord or Black Sheep, then, you know, it's the best beer, isn't it? There was an interesting blog recently from Dan 
from St. Mars of the Desert. I'm just going to read a bit of it. I hope you don't mind, Dan. I'm reading this out. The blog title is called The Battle of Frogs and Mice, so go and read it. I like Dan's blogs. They're interesting. This one says, the thing that still gets me about all this, you have to go read the blog for the backstory. The thing that gets me about all this is the authenticity of the whole thing. Forget that the brewery is in Belgium. It isn't necessary. That is our hang-up as drinkers and craft brewers to put the quote-unquote Belgian beer label on it. The Dole does their own thing with the local ingredients they like. They have one strong dark one, Aura beer, a strong hoppy one, Ara beer, and seasonal beers that carry the same house character and one outlier, special extra export stout. So why not call Ara beer an IPA? Why do we call anything IPA? Why not? Because it's an authentic creation. And that is the point of this whole little story. It's 25 years later and I still struggle with having to put beer styles on and in bottles. Why can't I just brew amazing beer and put the ABV on the label and add some of my own funky artwork and a cryptic saying like Nat and Straff? And that's my brand. It would set us free from the inauthentic world of craft beer and into a space of our own. Well, the answer is back on earth and as frustrating as ever because it would be a hard sell. Martha and I don't need much, but we do have a cat to feed. Dan makes a really good point. Unfortunately, as much as we'd love to brew something and let it loftily float in the atmosphere and make its way into the world and people to drink it as it is, you know, people and marketing more so demands it to be anchored and tethered to something and to a point of reference. It would be like Radiohead after OK Computer just putting out Kid A and Amnesiac, love it or hate it, without passing much comment on the direction their music was taking. And people expecting hits like Karma Police and Paranoid Android only to be confronted with things like Knives Out and everything in its right place. I love those songs, by the way, but they're not everyone's cup of tea. However, with the frame of reference being those old electronic warp records and Tom York retelling his account of how he devoured them during that Kid A writing period, telling interviewers from publications like Enemy and Melody Maker, at least some of us knew what was coming. Beer should be led by the beer first and foremost, and then the marketing and brand it should support it, not the other way around. And that is just one of the many weird and wonderful things I love about craft beer, that it is led by the product itself. So I'm sad that this beer on this occasion, which was going to be called Red Letter, isn't a red IPA like I'd hoped. I love red IPAs. I've had some really great ones recently. Elusive Brewing have done some absolutely spot on ones in collaboration with people like Thornbridge and Cloudwater. So it's not a red IPA, but it is a fucking great American amber ale, if I don't say so myself. And now the labels say so accordingly. So keep an eye out for that. That should be hitting shops fairly soon. And the real moral of this story is, Nick, get the recipe right the next time. Ha! On that bombshell, uh, those are my fermenting thoughts for this week's Hop Edition. Feel free to tag us in on Twitter or go on to the Hop Forward Facebook group and let me know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? You've got any interesting stories of your own? I would love to hear those. And until next time, cheers. Mm-hmm.